Welcome to December. Uh, the holiday season is upon us, and Christmas is just a couple days away. Um, and that means probably like churches all over the world are going through the same Advent series, right? Um, and today is the last Advent before Christmas, right? So they're like, you know, traditionally they're like those four candles. I forgot what's what, but one is joy and one is love. I think the last one's love, and this one's the one before that. So we're going to be talking about joy today, all right? Um, so we're going to talk about the advent of joy, you know, Jesus arriving as joy. And we, when we think about Christmas and this season, um, and one of the things that we really reflect on is joy, I mean, like, look at all the holidays movies that we watch on Netflix. It's all full of these romantic and fun and warm movies um, about finding, like, romance or happiness during Christmas. Um, and one of the most well-known Christmas songs is called Joy to the World. So this Christmas is such, like, you know, it's a reflection of joy, right? Um, but when we talk about biblical joy, it's, it's more than this feeling of happiness, it's deeper than that, right? Um, it's deeper than the warm feeling that we get during this time of the year. And that's what I want to look into today. Um, yeah, before we, before we start, I'll open us up in a word of prayer. Yeah, God, I, I pray that you would open us up to the experience of true biblical joy. Amen. Okay, yeah, that's it. <laughs> uh, so as we explore joy today, uh, I want to answer a couple questions. All right, so one, what is biblical joy? Um, so that's our first question, what is joy? The uh, second question I, ha- I want to answer is where does joy come from? Like what's it rooted in? The third one is what does joy produce in our lives, you know, what is the outworking of joy in our lives if we have it? So getting right into it, what is biblical, what is biblical Christian joy? Uh, the Greek word that's used in uh, the Bible for joy is kara. I don't have an image of kara, but kara. Um, and kara is a word that describes like this inner feeling of gladness or delight or contentment and satisfaction. Uh, I want to focus on the word inner. Right? It's, it's something on the inside, and it's not determined by external circumstances. For example, like you have inner peace or inner joy despite what's going on around you. Um, so I want to look at Hebrews 12.1 really quick just for some context. Uh, just to illustrate joy, right? Um, in Hebrews 12, 1 to 2, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with perseverance or with endurance the race that is set before us. And then I think here's an important part. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So for the, 
who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Um, and it says, it says Jesus endured the cross with joy, right? And I'm sure that's really, really hard to do. Or like, when you're on the joy, when you're on the cross, it's, it's not a happy thing, right? 39 lashes, a crown of thorns on your head, like nails running through your hands and feet, like, you know, collapsing lungs, and all that physical pain on top of the ridicule and the mocking of the voices of the people who you're hanging there for. You know, you're dying for these people, and they're making fun of you, or they're shaming you. But it says he endured it with joy. And no, it's not because of what's happening to him that he's joyful. It's, but it's an inner gladness and satisfaction that comes from knowing what this process would accomplish. Right? Like he's dying of death that would defeat death itself. Right? He's, he knows what's ahead of him. You know, he knows the glory. He knows the redemption that is ahead of him. The joy that Jesus had was his inner feeling of gladness. It's inner and contentment that had nothing to do with what was happening to him. And, you know, when we think about Christmas and this season and, the, you know, the nativity scene and we all imagine like little baby Jesus with all the cute little animals with the angels and his parents and the wise men. Like it's it's a pretty like warm and happy setting, right? But when we look at the biblical and historical context that surrounds Jesus's birth, advent, his arrival, right, it's it's anything but happy and warm. Um so we'll talk about Israel. Like, what's the state of Israel at the time? First of all, they're, they're under Roman occupation. They're a nation that, you know, they've been conquered and defeated and, like, taken from their homeland, brought back time and time again. Their identity of being a nation, of being God's chosen people, has been stripped away from them, and they belong to another earthly kingdom. Right? And it's been like 400 years since the last prophet has spoken, so God's been silent about what's, what's going to happen next. Like, you don't know what's going to happen. We're, you're just living in this, like, in this crappy time, you know? Like, I don't know. And to make matters worse, like, Herod, the king who is appointed over you by the Roman government, he set out a decree to kill all your little, like, little baby boys who are two and under. Um, so a whole generation of baby boys were wiped out because Herod felt like his throne was being threatened. So that's the state of Israel at that time. You know? And let's look at Mary. You know, she's a teenage girl who gets pregnant by the Holy Spirit um, to carry Jesus in her body, right? I'm I mean, when we think about Mary, we, we just honor her for being the mother of Jesus, you know, for taking that on. Um, but imagine what she had to go through at that time, you know. She's like this young teenage girl. She probably had to go through the probable, the probable accusation of adultery, 
you know? I mean, it says that, you know, Joseph was going to divorce her, right? If, like, if not for divine intervention. Um, and she had to go through all the physiological ramifications of being pregnant um, and having to travel from... She had to travel <laughs> to, uh, from Nazareth to Bethlehem, right? Or something like that. <laughs> um, yeah, Nazareth to Bethlehem uh, while being pregnant. And there wasn't even a room for her to, like, to go into labor. She had to give birth where their, you know, animals were feeding. So all this to say, you know, the circumstances revolving, um, oh, the surrounding Advent and that nativity scene was anything but happy and warm and peaceful. It was, it was harsh and it was painful and unforgiving. Yet the message of Jesus' birth was of joy, right? So Luke 2, 7 through 11. If you could put that on. Um, so it says, And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in the manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not. For behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, or city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So the announcement of Jesus' birth is that of joy. You know, I mean, nothing of Israel's, like, circumstances changed at that moment. But it was joyful news. Like, he's come. Like, he's here. He's arrived. Uh, you've grown up your whole life, like, hearing the prophecies and the promises, and now he's here. Uh, I'm sure, like, they were filled with this inner, like, just inner gladness. Like, despite being shepherds and despite being under Roman occupation and all the terrible things that were happening in their lives, you know, I'm sure they were just filled with this gladness and satisfaction, like, that was on the inside, you know? In James 1, 2 to 4, it beckons us, like, consider it pure joys, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. For you know that te the testing of your faith produces steadfast steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Just consider it joy when you go through trials, right? Like, like, man, like, trials are hard and unpleasant and painful and difficult. Um, and just think about what you're going through right now. Like, it's, like, if you're going through something, um, the word tells us, word tells you, tells us to meet it with joy. Because joy is not dependent on what you're going through on the outside, but it's, it's what's on the inside. Uh, it's inner gladness and contentment, knowing that on the other side of what you're going through, you'll be better for it. You know, maybe you'll be, become a more whole person, or you'll experience God in intimacy um, more than you have before. 
I mean, best of all, you be you come out of your trial looking more like Jesus uh, than you have before. I mean, that's what we're really going through, or what we're really going for next year, right? Like, just being like Jesus. And I'm sure that doesn't come without its trials, you know? But when those things come, we, we meet it with joy because of what's on the inside. And I guess this leads to my next question. Like, where, where does this joy in the inside, this inner gladness, where does it come from? Uh, just to answer that, we'll, we'll throw up Galatians 5, 23. I mean, it's, like, really practical, like, just reading the Bible and finding out where joy comes from. Um, it says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Uh, against such things, there is no law. So here's a straightforward biblical answer to where joy comes from. Um, it comes from the Holy Spirit. Um, it comes from the Holy Spirit, which means everyone who puts their faith in Jesus has access to joy. It's yours, and it can't, it can't be taken away from you. Right? Uh, and I want to look at Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Uh, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Uh... All right, so Romans fifteen thirteen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. So joy comes from the Holy Spirit and it is rooted in hope. Like where you place your hope is imperative to where, like, like where you place your hope is imperative to your joy in life, right? So if you hope in something that can't satisfy you, um, you're not going to be able to live your life with joy, Rather, you'll live with anxiety or this feeling of void and emptiness and disappointment. But if you place your hope in something that cannot and will not fail you, then you have a real shot at joy, a life of joy. When the angel announced to the shepherds that, uh, um, when the angels announced to the shepherds Jesus' birth in Luke 2 and said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Um... Yeah, I'm just reading Luke 2 again. Okay. Yeah. So the angel, he is appealing to what the shepherds have always hoped for. All of their lives, they've heard the prophecies of a Messiah, a Savior who would deliver them. And this is what made the news of Jesus' birth so joyful despite the circumstances, right? It's because they put their hope in this Messiah. And now he's here. Yeah. So nothing changed for them in the moment of the announcement, but inwardly they, they had this anticipation f- of the fulfillment of all that they hoped for. So where does joy come from? Joy comes from the Holy Spirit and is rooted in the anticipation of the fulfillment of hope. And that hope, or our hope being Jesus. Uh, yeah, I guess I'll, uh, yeah, I'll give you an anecdote from my own life to kind of illustrate 
to attempt to illustrate it, to like loosely illustrate it, like loosely. All right, so like, um, there's a period in my life where I was doing a lot of physique competitions, uh, where I would go like on a strict diet for 12 to 16 weeks, uh, so that I could stand on the stage for and look good for like one day, like 12 to 16 weeks for one day. And uh, during those 12 to 16 weeks, I would like eat food out of my plastic Tupperware every day. Every meal would be out of a Tupperware. And uh, I'd go to church and I'd bring my Tupperware. And afterwards, like everyone would go out to eat and I'd go with them, but I'd, I'd be eating like cold ground turkey and broccoli and like sweet potato. And even though it wasn't enjoyable, I don't ever remember like complaining. Like I, I think I, I did it with such like, uh, what's the word? Uh, what's the word I used? I did it with like pride and gladness. Like I, I, I gladly ate out of my Tupperware when everyone was eating out and eating good food. Like I, I did it with gladness because of the anticipation of the outcome of the process. Right? I'm gonna look good. Like in 16 weeks, I'm gonna have the body of a god for literally like a couple hours, like one day, and then I'm gonna eat a burger and I'm gonna swell up again. Um, but, uh, it, like, that's kind of how joy operates, right? It's like the anticipation of the fulfillment of our hope in Jesus that we'll be like him and we'll be with him one day. Like, even though it's uncomfortable now and what we go through, it's like this world is like, it's kind of uncomfortable and not that enjoyable at the present moment. Um, it might be painful right now. But if we can anticipate being with Jesus and look forward to the outcome of our waiting, then, then we can really live our lives with joy, right? with inner gladness. So joy comes from the Holy Spirit and is rooted in the anticipation of the fulfillment of our hope, our hope in Jesus. And um, now bring me to my last question. What does joy produce in our lives? Um, I think joy produces a couple things. I don't really have a Bible passage for this, but I think joy like produces like a life of gratitude and gladness. Remember, like joy is an inner gladness that is given by the Holy Spirit for the anticipation of fulfillment. In the realm of the Holy Spirit, there is no lack. All right. Um, Ephesians 1.3 says, you don't got to put it on, but Ephesians 1.3 said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Like in this manner, like it says, we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing, right? In this manner, joy is a matter of perspective. Like if we look at our lives through the abundance of what we obtain through faith in Christ, then we'll live with joy and gratitude, right? But if we look at our lives through what we lack, what we don't have, we'll live in constant disappointment and incessant dissatisfaction. And, like, that's, that's no way to live. Like, I've been there, and, yeah. Uh, yeah, and like Mickey talked about last week, one of the things that we're going through in our rule of life and what we, one of the things that we're going to tap into is, like, beginning and ending the day with, with gratitude. Um, like we're going to do a, like a gratitude journal, or, right? Or some of us. 
But um, yeah, I, I want my life to be marked by the joy of belonging to Jesus. You know, like in Him, I have, like I have everything in You, Jesus, right? And by gratitude and by celebration of Him being in my life. So yeah, uh, joy produces a life of gratitude and gladness. And secondly, um, I think joy produces longing. Um, and when when we think about the word longing, I think sometimes we think of like this this painful, like hard, kind of painful waiting for something, like this painful waiting. Um, but what I mean by longing is like this patient and active anticipation. And what I'm trying to get to is this like longing enhances your the the intensity of the experience of receiving what you have waited for. Okay. So longing enhances the intensity of the experience of receiving what you have waited for. And I'll, I'll give another anecdote to, to try to illustrate this. Kind of loose, but kind of not. All right. So shout out to one of my BFS, Vanessa. Right? One of the many ways um, Vanessa has added immeasurable value to my life was um, by introducing me to this Vietnamese restaurant that sadly closed down during the, during the pandemic. But it was this Vietnamese restaurant called Hananim which is a Korean word for God, but it is a Vietnamese restaurant. Um, and so what, what Hananim was known for was this one like signature dish. It was like dry pho. And it was like, right? Like, it's just dry pho. It's like, it doesn't have soup. But it was so, like, it was so good. And like, at our, at our last church, we would just go there. Like, it was one of the spots we went to a lot, like after church. Um, but the problem is, like, sometimes when you go with a big group, it gets so chaotic in the kitchen. Like, they don't speak English or anything. There's, like, they're probably understaffed, and they're all, like, family, so they're all, like, yelling at each other. Like, and you can hear them yelling at each other in the kitchen. So, like, so sometimes when you're there with a big group, it takes so long for your food to come out because it's just chaos, right? And, like, I remember, like, this one particular week, we went, and, like, it, like, took an eternity to get our food, and we're all, like, most of us don't eat breakfast before church, so, like, that made it even longer, right? All the girls were getting hangry, um, and I was getting nervous. I'm like, oh, man. Um, but, like, but, you know, that, that, that kind of waiting, like, kind of makes it more satisfying. Like, it hits differently when you finally get it. You know, number 25 dry at Hananim never tasted better than that day, you know? Um, Yeah. Yeah, loosely illustrated. But, like, that's that's the type of longing that joy produces, a patient anticipation that enhances the experience of the fulfillment of what we wait for. Um, Joy produces a longing to be with Jesus. I mean... The more joyfully and intentionally we wait for him, the more enjoyable it will be when he comes. Like, just imagine, like, 
I'll save this. I'll save that one. I'll save that one. But uh, I actually want to read a passage together with you guys. Um, it comes from it's a story of this man named Simeon, um, and this prophet is Anna. It comes from Luke two twenty five to like thirty something. But uh, yeah, let's kind of want to go through this story together really quickly. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous, righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. So he was waiting for Israel to be comforted. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord, Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light for the revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people, Israel. And his father and his mother marveled at what was being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for all. Hmm, point. For the fall and rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will be pure, will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Daniel, I don't know, a tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin and then as a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. So Simeon and Anna, they've been waiting for Jesus all their lives, right? And it's not like they were just, they, they went to the temple every day. You know, maybe this is the day, maybe this is the day I get to die and see the Messiah, right? Like, the Holy Spirit told him, like, you ain't gonna go until you see him. You know, and maybe this is the day I get to see him, you know? He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. He was waiting for the comfort of Israel while they're in this dark time under Roman rule, you know? Like under Roman occupation, like he was waiting, like just to a glimpse of the promise. And it was so intense that once he saw, he's like, "Dude, I, that's it. My life is, my life is complete. I'm ready to go. You know, I'm ready to go." And imagine like that for our lives. No, like. How much more meaningful it'd be. I mean, imagine if you were just like, I don't know, if you were in the middle of doing what, something, just anything like in the middle of your job or in the middle of your workout and Jesus appears and you're like, oh, shoot, like, yo, hey, like you're here. Awesome. Let me drop what I'm doing and let me like, yeah, let me live this life with you. That, that, that'd be cool. That'd be awesome right? if Jesus just appeared in the middle of your doing something. But but what if, 
your attitude or your posture of waiting was more like, damn, Jesus, I've been waiting for you my entire life. Like, every moment of my life, like, you were there. You know, I've heard your voice when you were young or when I was young. I, I didn't get to see you, or I didn't get to hear you clearly, but I knew your voice since I was young. And all my life, I've been waiting to meet you. I've been waiting to know you in fullness. And then he comes. How much more intense would that experience be? You know, like, Jesus, you were in everything I did. You were in my workout. You were in my listening to music. You were in my workplace. You were in my interaction with people. You were in my interaction with my community. And now you're here and I get to know you and experience you in fullness. How much more meaningful would that be than for you to just, oh, I was working. Oh, and here you are. But no, Jesus, when I meet you, I would, I would say, damn, I've been waiting for you my whole life. I've been learning, and I've been just cultivating this intimacy with you my whole life, and now you are here, right? And that's, that's the illustration of longing, and I think joy rooted in, like, hope, like, produces that, this longing. It's, God, I'm going to be with you one day, you know? Yeah. Um. So last thing I think uh, joy produces. So joy produces what so far? I forgot. Gratitude, it produces longing. And the last thing I think, it, it produces joy in others, right? For example, like when you discover something that brings you joy, don't you just want to share it? Um, your experience or your experience of it? Like, like fitness people, isn't it satisfying when you get your whole church to work out, like, right? <laughs> Or photographers, don't you like sharing your photos and telling your friends, your other photography friends, like what camera you've been using or, you know, what kind of film camera or like a digital, I don't know. But yeah, when you find something like that brings you joy, you share it and it produces joy in other people's lives, you know? Like Vanessa shared with me that Vietnamese restaurant and I want to share it with you guys, but now it closed down. So I just wanted to let you know y'all are missing out. Um, you know, and like Pastor Mickey, like, doesn't everything he, aren't you drawn to him because he exudes joy in everything he does? Like, the way he leads worship and preaches and interacts with us, like, interacts with us? Like, don't you look at him and want, want what he has? No? Yeah, we do. Yeah, we do. That's why we're here. Well, maybe not the only one. We're here for Jesus, but, but like, yeah. So joy produces joy in uh, and yeah, that, that concludes my reflection on biblical joy. Um, so what what is it? Joy is an inner gladness and satisfaction despite external circumstances. I don't know. Best that I could come up with. Uh, where does it come from? Uh, joy comes from the Holy Spirit and is rooted in the anticipation of the, of the fulfillment of our hope, who is Jesus. And what does joy produce in our lives? Joy produces a life of gratitude. It produces a longing that enhances our experience of receiving what we wait for. And it produces joy in others. Um, 
So as we conclude today, I, I really want us to, once again, just reorient our posture of waiting. You know, the advent that we observe and that we celebrate today was the coming of Jesus into the world as a child. But how many of you know that we're in an Advent season now? Um, see, just as ancient, the ancient world awaited their Messiah to come, we today await Christ to come again. Right? This is the second Advent. The already, but not yet. Where Christ has already won our victories on the cross and in the grave. But the fulfillment of everything has not been consummated. You know, the fulfillment of, like, so we're waiting for him again. Um, so let's reorient our posture of waiting. Um, I think, like, sometimes when we, when we wait, like, when we wait for Jesus in our lives, well, what tends to happen is, like, we kind of just distract ourselves with work, and our hobbies, and the demands of everyday life. Or like, it's so easily, like, we're so easily distracted by those things. All right? But remember, like, joy produces longing. But what if we really actively wait and long and anticipate Jesus coming again? Like, every, every moment of our lives is lived in anticipation for what is to come. You know, the fulfillment of all that we've hoped for. Mm. So as we wait for Christ to come again, let's actively uh, practice joy. Let's live with inner gladness and satisfaction um, that's given by the Holy Spirit for the anticipation of the fulfillment, fulfillment of our hope. And let's live with gratitude. Let's live with longing to be with him. And that means spending time with him, you know, like in our day-to-day. Um, and let's let our joy in him be known to each other and to those around us. Yeah, amen. Let's pray. Uh, Father God, uh, we call into remembrance, remembrance uh, with joy this Advent season that light has risen upon us, that God came into the world in the form of flesh and blood uh, for the atonement of our sins. Uh, for atonement of sins for man for all time. Emmanuel, God walked among us, our Christ, our Savior, our hope. We remember his life, his sacrifice, and his rising again. And we lay hold of hope for our, for our own advent, the waiting for his coming again. For on that day, like the sun will no longer be our light by day, nor brightness will the moon give us light, but our Lord will be our everlasting light. So God, leave this longing in our hearts to know you on that day. And let us, let us live every moment with joyous anticipation for being with you, the one we've always and will always love. Yeah, we love you, Jesus. and We proclaim you and we await you with joy. So come. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus.